0: I could just start by having you introduce yourself and telling me the name of your business.
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Tiziana Agnello, and my current business name is Love Thy Beast.
0: Hi, my name is Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. On today's episode, I interview Tiziana Agnello of Love Thy Beast. Here's what Betsy bober Polivy, founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about this business.
1: With a classic origin story of thought to execution, Love Thy Beast is a store like none other. Originally handcrafted on a kitchen table to now three stores fueled with love, passion, and commitment, Love Thy Beast has made a name for itself in the pet accessory industry. With adorable totes designed to carry your pet and other belongings, the shop has become a hub for New Yorkers to establish a deeper bond with their pets. In this episode, Ellie speaks with Tiziana, the owner and mastermind behind Love Thy Beast. Her passion and love towards pets truly highlights and embodies the care and companionship they provide. And
0: when did you start Love Thy
1: Beast? Love Thy Beast started on my kitchen table in about 2011, 2012.
0: (laughs) On your kitchen table? Yeah,
1: I still have that table. It's kind of hard to part ways with it. But I do want something a bit more like light and oval. <laughs> um, but it is this beautiful piece of wood uh, slab. And um, I don't, yeah, I don't know who's going to get it, but someone needs to have it. It's so It's an it important, yeah, it's a very important <laughs> table. Can you tell me what you mean when you say that you started your business on your kitchen table? Sure. I think great ideas are always like started at home or like in conversations with people. So, um, but I literally like could not afford a studio at the time. And I wasn't really, I was determined to make the right product for myself. Um, I just didn't know, I guess I didn't take the business as seriously as I do now. (laughs) Now everything is like, you know, very much um, on edge sometimes. But with the innocence of starting just on the kitchen table and doing what I love, which is sewing, I just kind of like was able to be free and create. So I made the first canvas pet tote that everyone knows about on my kitchen table. Well, actually I made the first eight.
0: And what were you doing before that?
1: Oh, I was, um, I had a really good career. I was a prop stylist. I worked in the photography still life world, which is sometimes boring to certain people, but I just find it so fascinating that like lighting is such an important factor in many things like movies and, and photography and we would spend a lot of time photographing soup and desserts and things like that. So I've worked for everyone from Martha Stewart to Oprah to and then other big companies like Smirnoff and you know Tangerine and things like that. So.
0: And are you from New York City?
1: no originally i mean i know i was always meant to be in new york city um but i'm from boston originally from the north shore so um you know i i love my fish (laughs) but uh yes i grew up like in that area i hope my accent doesn't come out but (laughs) i have lived here for 18 years so actually it was
0: your career that brought you down here
1: yeah or or not um, I mean, I always knew I would be here. I think like yeah. as a kid, I had a dream of being a designer and living in a loft and being in New York city. And it's funny. Cause like I have all those things right now. Yeah. And cause I like have a old loft in Williamsburg and everything, but then I'm just kind of like still not satisfied. <laughs> but, um, I mean, that's what I wanted to do, but like, I, uh, didn't really make it into college. And even though I took classes and everything, I was a dropout. I just, have never been a studious person.
0: (laughs) What did the process look like going from sewing your first tote on your kitchen table to opening a brick and mortar?
1: Oh, those are huge, um big jump. Yeah, that's a big jump. So I would say that like when I first started it was more about like getting my bag into other people's stores versus like going the brick and mortar route. I grew up in a small business so being in a retail environment was like it just seemed like a 24-hour thing that I was not willing to experiment with and then so yeah the first few bags landed in some really popular pet accessory shops in the city and then I did a trade show which then resulted in like companies like West Elm and Urban Outfitters wanting to buy my things so I was like whoa this is pretty cool so I liked the wholesale model because I could continue doing my prop styling career but have all my stock in my apartment in Williamsburg and then like ship whenever I could right so one year I want to say it was 2014 I could be wrong I think it's 2014 I did a pop-up in NoHo on Lafayette in Bleeker which is now this like super fancy kith store but before exactly yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before that it was owned by a socialist group and they were super accommodating and allowed me to pay what I could, you know, and that's the way it should be and and I got to open my first shop there. It was under scaffolding, but I mean you can't beat Lafayette and Bleecker. <laughs> so, I actually miss that shop a lot.
0: And how did people find you at that time?
1: Um like most new yorkers do we just kind of walk around (laughs) and uh, explore Mm -hmm. even though i was under scaffolding and things like that i mean instagram was also an influencer which was good but nothing beats an avenue and that's um the one thing in new york that i just uh, hope to get back to is like being on an avenue versus a street but yeah so i think people just kind of found us through there and then the wonderful thing about the pet world is that Because we cosmically understand their sensibilities, other people found in my product, like the trust and the like reliability and the quality to be really superior. So they just told their friends.
0: Where did your knowledge of dogs come from?
1: Oh God, (laughs) experience, I guess. I mean, I think like having my first dog when I was 20, my mom never let me have pets really growing up we had a cat that like would go in and out of the house cats don't need you yeah (laughs) yeah he needed dinner though (laughs) and I needed a hug so I was like getting anything I could um he was awesome but um when I like was on my own I decided you know I would love to have a pug and I rescued one off of Craigslist so she kind of just taught me everything that I know I feel like I mean Yeah, she really did. I was, um, you know, she just would go in my bags and be so excited. I mean, she was a rescue, so she was like used to her previous owner put her in bags. So I think that like anytime she saw one, she would just be so excited. So I was kind of like, this is interesting. And at the time I was commuting from like North, from South Williamsburg to North Williamsburg and taking the bus up and down and as or walking and as she got older she would like stop every few blocks so I was just like I can't like continue to carry this like 22 pound you know little muffin so (laughs) (laughs) let me figure out something for her. And she liked the first bag. Oh my gosh obsessed yeah (laughs) and I was obsessed with it because you know I had had those, like, terrible, like, um, airline bags that you get from Petco, which were, like, very uncomfortable under your armpit. And, like, then carrying it, you sort of feel like uh, you have, like, one leg. <laughs> so it's just a bizarre feeling. So um, she always loved any bag. But um, when I made my our classic tote bag, she went right in. And then it also fit my aesthetic because, of course, I made the first one in all black. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: they're beautiful also. thank you thank you you <laughs> um, must have a dog i do i do i do yeah i was showing audrey pictures yesterday i have a dorky little uh, hound mutt who i rescued from arkansas
1: oh what's her name much. her name is sage cute i got her one
0: of your sweaters yesterday one of the pom-pom sweaters oh my gosh the excited. rainbow the not the rainbow <laughs> one. it doesn't Maybe. really match her aesthetic oh, well yeah. yeah
1: i would say yeah, yeah I,
0: I was going towards the rainbow but mm-hmm. then i imagined it on her and i was like i don't
1: yeah, I mean that's Not one vibe. Right. And that's one thing we talk about all the time. Like yeah. it's kinda dorky, but we say, like, oh my gosh, that sweater brings out the highlights on your dog's like mustache. <laughs> right, it's so exactly. cute. And it's um it's kind yeah. of a funny job, but like it's really like that part is the best part. Yeah.
0: And New York is one of those places that's kind of known for having a particular dog culture. Yes. Um people call their dogs their babies or you know their parents they yeah are their parents and like
1: <laughs> i'm sure you see some of that in here okay so the most amazing thing happened recently um my mom came to town and we had to be out of the house for a couple days and my dog walker stepped in for you know to help out and she was like she was she was like okay so let's go home to the kids now and like i grew up with a mom who like did not like dogs and I'm sorry but she literally got my aunt got me a dog and she returned it it was that bad I mean I was desperate for for a dog as a kid I just wanted it It it's so bad but like um so she just my mom just like you know she was bit by a dog as a kid but like it's interesting now that like my brother and I are so obsessed with pets Mm -hmm. and with the exposure um of our very lovable animals. Like, she's like super cool with them now. But the fact that she called them my kids, I was like, I don't even call them my kids. Like, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's go home to those little muffins. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, she gets it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of people. Uh, no matter your age, these days especially are like making pets more part of like the family in a way. And we always say that like we make things for loved ones, and it's a pretty cool feeling to like be there for someone in that way. Mm-hmm.
0: One thing that I remember that yes. I wanted to ask um, how you find and choose the products in the store that are not your tote bags, not things that you okay. make.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, as a prop stylist, I've been like pretty privy to like finding things. Of course, the internet has made made it so much better. Um, but anything that's in my store that hasn't, you know, isn't our our name or anything like that, but we appreciate in the business, we go to trade shows. Um, not that many people go to trade shows these days, which is kind of sad for the people on my side as well, where I've gone and participated. But I'll go to trade shows and and sort of scope it out. Um, but I've also collaborated with other companies, like this rubber mat company that um, I recently just got some rubber mats and we sold out quickly. They were great. They're placemats for high-end design homes. But I thought, oh, that is such a gorgeous mat for a dog bowl. And they didn't even think about that. So I'm always on Instagram just sort of like looking at home things and and um projects and and checking out all the tags and Mm -hmm. finding products for me in that world is is beautiful and interesting and then as far as the pet products go like those staples those like supplies that's always been really hard for me to interject into the business but that's something that the people who walk through my door have inspired so So like
0: the treats and the Like some of the care products. Yeah, and the
1: latex toys and things Mm -hmm. like that. I would say like the latex toys have been the biggest hurdle for me to like have a commercial brand out there. But when we have customers come through the door for the first time, they want that whole package. They want everything that they do need. And I wouldn't want to ever like short them anything. Right.
2: Potty pads was the hardest thing for her to get in here. Oh.
1: How long did that take? It took, like, at least a
0: year. Because you can only get sort of corporately made potty pads? Oh, I don't even care if they're
1: designer potty pads. She was like, no. It was like, we're not going to have potty pads. Why? I think, I hate that, like, I have this, like, weird, like, pride or something, but I always felt like... Love Thy beast sort of was like, I was losing its grip a little bit just to sell these other products to make the customers who walk through the door happy Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like how I saw my business going. And there are other competitors who stick to their vision and and only do what they do. And I appreciate them in all realms. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it was as a designer being a made fun of by other designers. Like you're selling. Like you have stores. Like you're doing this. You're doing that. I don't care to be that weirdo because like geniuses are weirdos. But um, the thing is, is just like th- uh, like kind of swallowing my pride. I'm like, okay, now we offer like potty pads. Right,
0: and so that felt like a divergence from the design aspect of the business.
1: It does. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a supply yeah. and. Um, But we have, you know, the reality was is after a while you kind of see, well, you know, when someone gets their animal, whether it be a rescue or a new puppy, they're coming to us first. So it's okay. It's okay to like get them everything that they need outside of our carrier and a warm fleece and... You know a bed or something like that mm-hmm. that we create it's okay to show them the way and at least we know at the end of the day that they're getting the best quality potty pad <laughs> they're not going to write aid and getting one that like is gonna probably ruin their floor yeah. yeah yeah and and then with the treats like i've always i've learned a lot by having this company in that way so like i've I've been grateful for that aspect. I mean, I've been able to improve my dog's food and and the options that are there and they only get single ingredient treats. And a lot of people um, just have these really cool stories when they go from giving their pet like a sort of like soft gummy bear looking treat to then now we offer their dog, oh, my dog's picky. And then we give them like a freeze dried like beef heart and their dogs like gobble it up you know and like to me that's worth it like having all that knowledge and that offering just to give at the end of the day like give the animal exactly what they really do need
0: um and the so the majority of the products that are not food maybe the food as well but the sort of other needs Mm -hmm. um are made in the area or in the US for the most part, is that right? When we first interviewed you at least, I think that was part of what Betsy spoke to you about. Right, Um, and
1: that's like part of the conundrum too, Is kind of like, oh well, as we get these products, like it it strays away from our, you know, our vision. Yeah, I mean, I would say all of the grooming products, everything is made in the tri-state area or New England, which is phenomenal, the latex toys, some of them are um, the majority. I would say fifty percent, like the better ones, you know, that we offer, which are like the gonuts or the West Pod. Those are all U.S. made um, and guaranteed, which is just so cool. Yeah. So those are like Midwest and California factories. And then we have sort of a couple. You know, we have on our bottom shelves like a few of those like very commercial brands that you'll see anywhere. But one of those commercial brands is made in Maine. So. At the end of the day, it's kind of like, oh, okay, you know. Um, and as we've over the years have been able to expand and sort of expand our horizons, all of our um, all of our sweaters are either made here or made in Nepal, which benefits a women's organization. So we try our best to like have the most transparent product out there, but we understand that there are certain things that especially in the like play world where they have to be imported. Who do you find your customers are? Well, I have an array of customers because... We we sell wholesale and then we we sell in New York City as well. Um, But they're around my age and they have a really cool sense of fashion. The ones that have been repeat customers, you know, versus like the customer that just comes in and buys something because someone else has it, um, those people really have like this strong passion for. Not only like good design, but also great stories and community, which I really appreciate. And it brings me back to like when I was a kid growing up in my parents' bakery, like why people came to our bakery versus literally my parents right next door to the bakery was like a sub shop. And then next to that was Dunkin' Donuts. So why were people coming and having? we have these huge lines all the time to this bakery to get like danishes and muffins and cookies when they could just like go get a coffee and donut at Dunkin Donuts and like I think that that's like the real it's just like the perfect example of like what I do too like you could go to a mass market something or other but you'll never get that like one-on-one that you do with us and my employees are like proof of that it's not just me you know I've I've kind of like taught them how I prefer to speak with our customers but Um, they've really like made those relationships stick so I think that our customers like not only have a really good sense of fashion but they also like love putting themselves into it yeah which is cool yeah
0: definitely so you mentioned earlier that you were at some point at least not ready or hesitant to move towards a brick and mortar because it is such an intensive yes thing to do it's a big choice Mm -hmm. Um, what was it that pushed you over the edge?
1: Um, I just walk through open doors. I don't really have a formula. I just have that like uh, gut intuition that I just follow and I've been pretty good so far. <laughs> and I And I just don't look back, you know? And if I make a mistake, I'm actually thrilled when I make a mistake because then I can learn from it. So that pop-up was a month long that ended up being a year and a half long. Mm-hmm. And I just loved meeting all of the different people that came through. The one thing I do miss about being in NoHo versus in the East Village is we used to see people during their lunch breaks. Um. And they would be like, I hate my job, but I love this store. <laughs> so can I hang out with you guys during my lunch yeah. break? So that was one thing I kind of miss because being in a more working neighborhood um we we had all that but i have to say like i gave up on the retail part for a year i think it was
0: and went back to solely wholesale
1: yeah and we got a really fancy cute studio in dumbo um it was beautiful and bright and and big and and i thought you know i'm gonna do this a different way and i'm gonna go this route but then that's when the numbers came in and that's when i had to think like a business owner
0: Mm-hmm. And you just you weren't seeing the numbers that you wanted from doing only wholesale or what was it that you saw?
1: Yeah, I I was it was that as well as a numbers online were getting smaller. And I think just having that like brick and mortar like advertisement of being out on the street somehow influences people as well when they're shopping online. If they can't come by because of our hours they'll at least look at us online or something. So yeah. I um, I just noticed things changed, even though my communication was still out there. Right. And then everyone was trying to find us desperately <laughs> on the sixth floor in this great old building. And then they came and they're like, this isn't a store. And I'm oh, like, yeah. that was my studio, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you just kind of like felt for people. And I have to say, like, I really miss people. Yeah, I miss like seeing all the different characters that came through when we opened this store we had to you know a year after uh, we're in the east village right now this location we've developed totally new relationships versus noho which is literally just three blocks away um so it's interesting how you really we new yorkers are such like what are we like creatures of habit yeah, yeah and like also like um what's that animal that burrows and a groundhog comes out like once a year I yeah, know. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like we really don't go further than like an eight block radius I feel like um one woman said to me the other day at uh, our grand central store that she doesn't go south of 42nd street I nearly fainted <laughs> because I was like I would never go north of 29th <laughs> and it's like it's wild but like I really liked her too but yeah. I was just like who are you like right. There has to be culture downtown that you must go see, because I come up to the theater district for it too. So what's happening here? Um, but I think, yeah, New Yorkers we just kind of like stay in our little pots. Yeah. <laughs> when did you open your Grand Central store? Oh, recently. Um, we got the keys August first. Wow. Yeah. And we're, we're not, you, you know, we're kind of known in the terminal because we've done holiday fairs there, mm-hmm. which are, are very intense, short spurts of craziness for seven weeks. It's intense. Adriana here has done so many hours at them. And um, we deal with hundreds of tourists a day. And then the, the locals come through as well. Yeah. But now we have a location in the Lexington Passageway. Okay. Mm-hmm. and that's you've been happy with that so far so far I mean it's paid for itself so yeah. how, can I really say it's a bad thing no no <laughs> um, <laughs> the only I mean is like when you think like business wise you're kind of like wow okay so on its own it did its job mm-hmm. my only complaint is uh that uh, the hours are long mm-hmm. so it's a lot more hours to fill yeah um so on the You know, when you're looking at payroll compared to this location, Mm -hmm. it's just different. Yeah. How many employees do you have at this point? Oh, I'm going to have to do some math. I'm sorry. I want to say six. Between the two stores? I think so. We have a third store as well. Oh, the third store. (laughs) Where's the third? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so like earlier this year, I told my employees I was going to open three stores. Mm -hmm. Well, open two more stores. And they literally were like, how are you going to do that? (laughs) But it's been fine. We figured it out and it was just, I was just, my response was like, well, like one day at a time, you know, like how else am I going to do it? Oh, so the
0: third is the one that's up, it's not in Manhattan.
1: No, it's in upstate New York. Yeah. It's in Hudson, New York. Okay. I wasn't really hearing from Grand Central for a while. Yeah. We were actually supposed to open there last year. Oh, wow. But, you know, there's kind of like long politics that go into like getting spaces there and then also like the way that they phase stores in and out, they need that time sensitivity because they don't want to show people that they're like under renovation or anything for a while. So it took a while to get us in. And in the meantime, I was a little bored. <laughs> so after a trade show event here in New York, I decided that I'm over the trade show world. and. at that point I just had so many people different stores that are in Hudson like come up to me and say you should open in Hudson and we've had success selling our products in Hudson so I just thought okay and I knew that we needed another place to ship from and that possibly you know the East Village location has a couple more years on its lease and I'd be interested to you know go to an avenue after Mm -hmm. this and um, so I knew I needed a transitional space that could house things and be sure to ship online without disturbing the business too much Um, and the price of the store upstate is exactly the same price as I paid for my Dumbo store studio and um, it also makes an income (laughs) that's
0: amazing yeah, yeah so
1: and it's about the same amount of space we have a whole back room i don't even know what to do with it wow that's
0: that's <laughs> incredible congratulations it's as, thank you it's as
1: big <laughs> yeah. as this store actually yeah. and i'm like i don't know what to do yeah so i'm waiting because mm-hmm. i have some ideas but i don't want to disappoint the community and then take it away from them mm-hmm. right
0: Would you ever consider having a store that is not a pet store?
1: Oh, oh my gosh, yes, I want one so bad. Yeah? What would you do? What would you do? (laughs) Oh, I'm going to tell you my secrets? Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have a fascination with spices. Um, As a baker's daughter, I've just always been fascinated by that stuff. I find, and, like, I grew up with my mom who makes her own, like, um, creams and, like, facial things and, like, steam bath accessories Mm -hmm. Um, I don't don't really like potpourri but I I think that there is a a luxe simple natural way to do things Mm -hmm. and um, I just love all that essence Mm -hmm. so I think something that was like home body and mind is something I'm interested in um, and then i really don't even know why we haven't opened the baby version of this store. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every day someone, when I work, someone's like, so this could fit my like <laughs> newborn. Can I
0: put this sweater on my baby? Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, people buy our taxi toy all the time for newborns. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of crossover, but there's way more rules. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think you would choose to start those businesses in Manhattan first?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think like New Yorkers M.O. is just like, you know, walking, shopping, talking, eating and all of those things just kind of work out for someone that doesn't mind like giving that as well. To somebody who's willing to support it. So I'm sure I would. Um, I mean, that's that blank space we have upstate um, right. i'm like would people go back there if it was a baby store and behind a mm. dog's door i don't know that's super interesting yeah like how you could market that yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i think um you know, but I'm also interested in, like, doing human stuff, too, that, like, kind of relates back to dog. It's like a spinoff, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you that secret. No, okay. no, that's a big yeah, one. All but, right, I'll yeah. just
0: keep an eye on on the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> People come in and say the funniest, the darndest things, <laughs> and we kind of just smile and nod. Um, but it does affect you. You know, you're kind of just like, okay. Um, and it, it sort of, like, breeds this... Um, this this thing in people that they feel like I mean it's not everyone it really isn't but some people just feel like they can treat your products like in any way that they desire um yeah sure that's one thing um but I think in the dog world as well like when we tell people like you know we make nine sizes of our coat and it can still expand more than that I just it's difficult to have so many skews and people are like, oh, it's not small, medium, large. And it's like, no, it's a more tailored like perspective here. And I've always tried my best to express that to people in the best way possible. So that's always a challenge, like, showing, besides showing the customer the product on their animal. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's a no-brainer from there because everyone has issues, like, sizing their dogs. Um, that's always been difficult to sort of convince the person that's outside the store that coming in is a good idea because we'll solve a lot of their challenges
0: right because you have expertise yeah
1: the subject totally totally I think the other challenging thing in the dog world is that like some people don't care about their pups as much as others and that's okay that's just where they're at but you know when someone says, like, oh, my dog will destroy this in 30 seconds, I just keep thinking about how happy my dogs are when they destroy something in 30 seconds. And I'm like, it's worth every penny. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, like, they are so thrilled. And then they're just, like, knocked out for the rest of the day. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a challenge. I mean, I think, like with other business owners that I know and just being in business in New York City, sure, there's competition. But if you can find your little niche, like it's great. Yeah. Um, but I think the price per square foot is a challenge. Yeah. Absolutely, I would love to be open in Brooklyn. I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying Manhattan square foot pricing for Brooklyn. I'm sorry, I lived there for 18 years now and I just know the weather. And it's just—it's not possible, and that's why like neighborhoods like mine have turned so corporate, right? Which is unfortunate. On
0: the topic of other businesses and um, competition, what is your relationship to the other small businesses, particularly in this area?
1: Oh, in this area um well there are some that I really love (laughs) like where I go get my coffee or Thai food or you know our neighboring businesses are so sweet um I wouldn't say that I know much of their financials or anything like that but I did do a program with Goldman Sachs a few years ago about I would say four years ago yeah it was four years ago and um that was eye opening because I got to be with like 22 other small businesses. And I mean, there were people that made $250,000 a year, and there were people that made $8 million a year. It was a huge gap. But because that education was so open, we got to learn so much from everyone. So mm-hmm. everyone taught each other something in a different way. Yeah. No matter what your revenue was that's the one thing i love about being in a small business is it's very lonely because you are just like the business owner and then like your employees won't get it really but when you have other businesses like that have your back and can kind of like come into your business and like give you a little bit of perspective it's pretty cool
0: so the last question that we always like to ask in these interviews is if there's anything that you want people to know about you that either we haven't already spoken about or it isn't available anywhere else and you just like want it out there
1: oh <laughs> oh my god <laughs> take your time okay. get a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah no pressure can i say i'm single just kidding okay um <laughs> I've never said that before, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, cut it out. <laughs> send send <laughs> all inquiries. Yeah, I'm taking applications because I have more Too time.
0: Pi at Lovelight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's hello at. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there's that. I'm having a hard time with this one, but basically, like, there's so many different facets of what I like to do. Dog is definitely not the only one, I guess a shout out to like all the neighboring businesses I would love to have coffee with anyone and just like hang out and kind of like you know go back and forth because even if I'm helping someone with a challenging predicament of theirs and it doesn't necessarily relate to me I'll definitely learn something from that conversation and that's one thing that I love and I love documentaries i'm kind of a nerd about that so like i don't watch happy-go-lucky movies i don't know that's just my other thing so like real life (laughs) stories is what i'm all about so welcome to the podcast yeah (laughs) so yeah so it's like for me like this is like the 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 best part it's like the sugary part of it all just like figuring out life and together because otherwise it can be painful when you're alone and i think that that's like one thing that we solve in the pet world but also I, I want to, like, help other people with as well.
0: Well, so you've, I mean, you've been with Love Thy Beast for a while now, right? Yeah. A little, a little four while. years-ish. Almost yeah. four years, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, what have you seen in watching the business grow and change? And, like, are there things that you've
1: noticed Oh my gosh, she was an intern. She came into my studio, and I didn't even remember the appointment. I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> and here she is, and like, out all the time, like, anytime, like, my phone bings at, like, 11 p.m. at night, and it says, what are you grateful for today? And I'm, most of the times, <laughs> I'm like, that Audrey's still around, <laughs> and like, didn't, like, be like, uh, this woman forgot our appointment. <laughs>
2: She didn't act like she didn't like she had I'm, forgotten. I'm
1: pretty good at that. But,
2: yeah. Yeah, I recognize the signs now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, I was there when we had the
1: studio in Dumbo and she met me at the at at Lafayette with your mom.
2: Yeah, so originally when she had her store, I I had just moved to New York. And I went, and I she had like there was like this even though it was under scaffolding she had this huge like sign love thy bees and like a giant pug face, <laughs> and uh, and so I went in with my dog and we tried on a bag and and we got some stuff and that was my first introduction to it and then I became an intern um, at the studio and then and then the store opened and so. Definitely a lot of changes, and now three stores. Yeah.
1: Like, she went on vacation to California for a month and then came back, and I was like, so, we're opening a store. (laughs) Giddy up. Yeah. Um, But she's so good with the customers that, like, it's supernatural to her. So, I think, like, going from not seeing so many people a day to seeing many people a day has been good for her personality. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a people person, that's for sure. That's good. And she loves animals. Previously, you were a trainer. Yes, I used to work as a dog trainer,
2: um, and then I, you know, did my own thing like walking and and sitting dogs um, Mm -hmm. back in California. So I've always
0: been a a dog lover. What difference does it make for you to work for a smaller business?
2: Uh, When I was when I was a trainer, I worked at like a you know a big corporate. I worked at like Petco or something Mm -hmm. where it's like huge. It's corporate. There's so many rules. I really, you know, it's so weird. I I felt like I never really was a part of a team there. Like, I was just kind of doing my own thing. And I, like, I would not show up to work sometimes because I was like, who, who's going to notice? Like, no one cared. You could just do whatever. So I had my own schedule and I was never really a part of the team. So... I don't know and here, here it's like yeah you know people come by and are like oh Audrey's in and like they, they come won't even in. come
1: in if she's not in you know <laughs> and That's like the, nice and theory. like the dog
2: like there's this one dog who like she sees me and she starts making like, these noises like she's so excited and it's true and like I don't get that I didn't get that before
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right, awesome. thank, thank you, you.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for a special episode with founder Betsy Bober-Polovey about her new book called Walking Manhattan Sideways. See you next time.